and worship him. I think it's great for uh, children of God to gather uh, as one family and always recognize that uh, the, the creator of this universe is the one they worship and serve. We are here today purposely to honor him for everything that he's done in our lives and also to remember his son Jesus for the sacrifice made about 2,000 years ago, which has given us liberty from the devil. So let's come together with one mind, with one heart, and sing praises to his holy name, and also uh, listen to his word as we do all the time, and go from here uh, with all the blessings that uh, he always gives to his children. So without taking much time, uh, I'll hand you over to Ron, or I'm doing the prayer, so I'll do the prayer first and I hand it over to your own. Uh, shall we have a word of prayer? <clears throat> Father God, once again, we are here before you <coughs> to worship you in truth and in spirit. And we pray that God, you be with us this morning as we start our service until we finish. We pray that. Uh, you be with all the men who are officiating the worship today and speak through them. Help us as we sit down to listen to your word and help us not to be listless alone, but also be doers of your word. We pray for all the churches of Christ all over the world who have gathered today to worship you that their worship will also be in truth and spirit. And most especially, uh, our brothers and sisters who are in the camp uh, now, as they are preparing to come over uh, tonight, God, you guide and, and bring them home safely. We thank you for listening to our prayers. In Jesus' name, we all fathers. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So everybody's on this side, it's better. <laughs> For our first song, let's sing song number 719, please. 719. <clears throat> and then after this song, we will have the Old and New Testament reading by Adam. Adam, I. Angry words, so let them never from my tongue and try to slay. May the heart's best impulse ever check them where they soil Love one another, blessed the Savior, children obey the Father's best command. Love one another, blessed the Savior, children obey the blessed command. Love is much. To pure and holy, 
friendship is to sacred fire. For a moment, reckless folly, thus to desolate and mar. Love one another, thus in the Savior, children obey the Father's blessed command. Love one another, thus in the Savior, children obey the blessed command. Let our words sweetly spoken, let kind thoughts be gravely shared. Show our love to one another with abundance of kind words. Love one another, thus at the Savior, Children obey the Father's blessed command. Love one another, thus said the Savior. Children obey the blessed Morning, Church. Good morning. Uh, we'll be taking our readings. Uh, I'll be reading both the Old and New Testament, but we'll be starting with the Old Testament. And we'll be taking our readings from uh, the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 10, reading from verse 1 to 19. 2 Samuel, chapter 10, verse 1 to 19. And of course, uh, just pardon me with some of the pronunciations because of the names. And um, we'll be reading about the defeat of Ammon and Aram. Uh, that's David's defeat of these two uh, nations or these two tribes. So, um, verse one. Now it happened afterwards, the king of the Ammonites died and Harun, his brother, became king in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Harun, the son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent some of his servants to console him according to his father. But when David's servants came to the land of the Ammonites, the prince of the Ammonites said to Harun, their lord, do you think that David is honoring your father because he has sent consolers to you? Has David not sent his servant to you in order to search the city, to spy it out and overthrow it? So Harun took David's servants and shaved off half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle as far as their hips and sent them away. When they told it to David, he sent to meet them. And for the men were greatly humiliated. And the king said, stay at Jericho until your beer grow and then return. 
Now, when the son of Ammon saw that they had become odious to David, the son of Ammon sent and hired the, the Arameans of Bethrehob and the Arameans of Zobad, 20,000 foot soldiers, and the king of Masha, a thousand men, and the men of Tob with 12,000 men. When David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army and mighty men. The son of Ammon came out and drew up in battle array at the entrance of the city, while the Arameans of Zobat and Rehob and the men of Tob and Machir were by themselves in the field. Now when Joab saw that the battle was set against him in front and in the rear, he selected from all the choice men of Israel and arrayed them against the Arameans. But the remainder of the people he placed in the hand of Abisha, his brother, and he arrayed them against the son of Ammon. He said, if the Arameans are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the son of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come to help you. Be strong and let us show ourselves courageous to the sake of our people for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. So Joab and the people were with him, drew nearer to the battle against the Arameans, and they fled before him. When the sons of Ammon saw that the Arameans fled, they also fled before Abishai and entered the city. Then Joab returned from fighting against the son of Ammon and came to Jerusalem. When the Arameans saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered themselves together. And Hadadezer sent and brought out the Arameans who were beyond the river, and they came to Helam. And Shobash, the commander of the army of Hadadezer, led them. Now when it was told David, they gathered all the Israel together and crossed the Jordan and came to Halim. And the Arameans arrayed themselves to meet David and fought against him. But the Arameans fled from before Israel. And David killed 700 chariots of the Arameans. 40,000 horsemen struck down Shahobat the commander and their army. And he died there. When all the kings, the servants of Hadadezer, saw that, saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. And the Arameans feared to help the son of Ammon anymore. Amen. Amen. Now we'll be now going to the New Testament. And the New Testament reading is taken from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'll be reading from verse 2 to 16, verse 2 to 16 of 2 Corinthians, chapter 7. It reads, Make room for us in your hearts. We wronged one another. We corrupt no one. We took advantage of no one. I do not speak to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. 
Great is my confidence in you. Great is my boasting of your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. For even when I came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We were afflicted on every side, conflicts without fear within. But God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us by coming to of Titus, Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you, as he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, for that I rejoice even more. For though I cause your sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that that letter caused you so, though only for a while. For now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but sorrow of the world produces death. For behold, what earnestness this very thing is godly sorrow has produced in you what vindication of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what avenging of wrong. In everything, you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the offender, nor the sake of the one offended, but that your earnestness on our behalf might make known to you in the sight of God. For this reason, we have been comforted. And beside our comfort, we rejoice even more, much more, for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I was not put to shame, but as we speak all things to you in truth, so also our boasting before Titus proved to be the truth. His affection abounds all the more towards you as he remembers the audience of you all, how you receive him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that in everything I have confidence in you. Amen. Sing song number 121, please. And after this, Mike will lead us for the prayer for the church, which is, we're all going to be praying about the Camp Heatherville. Okay. Song number 121, please. Come, let us all unite to sing, God is love. Sorry. 
Father, my God, please allow the positive benefits out of Camp Etherbell. Please allow the children taking part in the camp to have fun through games while learning your word from the scriptures. Please, please allow all the staff to have patience and show us great love while interacting with the children. Allow the people serving the food to cook with tender and care. Allow the game leaders to have patience and show great love towards the children while leading all the activities. All the ministers to teach the word of God from the scriptures and adapt the lesson to the children that do not understand what has been said or, 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 or been taught. Lord, my Father, my God, please allow everyone taking part to form everlasting bond of love for you and your scriptures and for each other in the process of Camp Erdabel. We ask you that in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. And before Ronnie leads us on the Lord's table, let's sing song number 
350, please, 350. And if we can all stand up for the song, please. When my love to Christ was clean, when for evil fate I see, then in thought I go to thee, one person the place would be full next week so let's maybe try and do that eh? me included it's amazing that we can stand here and know that we've been forgiven for our sins to know that you've been forgiven for your sins is a wonderful thing to have that burden taken from you and knowing that the slate has been wiped clean. And I've got to tell you, my slate was kind of dirty. But it's been wiped clean. And I can rejoice in that. Although sometimes I tend to forget. But what Jesus did for us on the cross, nothing can compare to that. I'm going to be reading just a few different things. Uh, and one of the things I want to read to you is from uh, Romans, Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. You don't need to turn there, I'll just read it out to you. At just the right time, 
When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He undied for the, God, the ungodly sinners. He, un, he died for his enemies. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God. And I just forget, but I, I, I know you know the scripture. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we can take comfort in that. Turn over, if you will, to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. <coughs> For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to peter and then to the 12. after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep then he appeared to james then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. That's the gospel right there. The death, the burial, and the resurrection right there. And he appeared to these people so that there could be no doubt that he was alive. And why would a man die for a lie? People were tortured, eaten by lions. They were spared if they recanted Christ. But they wouldn't. They couldn't. Because they saw for themselves that he was alive. Ephesians 2 starting at verse 4 but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved and God raised up, us up with Christ and seated us with him 
in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We've all got good works to do. It says here, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. What an honour. What a privilege. And here now, this morning, we can remember Christ by partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine that he asked us to do. Just when you do this, remember me. Remember all the good. Remember the lives that were touched. And he handed it over to his disciples. Good works prepared in advance comes right to us. And we must continue this. And as we partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine, we need to remember that there's people out there lost. And we have information that can save them. Let's give thanks. Father, we're indeed thankful that we have this bread and this fruit of the vine, that we can remember Christ and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Help us to realise what a sacrifice it was that you gave up your son in order that we might be saved. Be with us now, Father, as we partake. And remember Christ and all that he did for us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
Fathers, we partake of this fruit of the vine. Let us remember the blood that we shed on our behalf. Help us to realize, Father, just how much you love us, that you care for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By partaking of this feast, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes.
And before Sydney read us the sermon reading and Paul giving us the message, let's sing song number 238, please, 238. And again, if you can all stand up for this song, for those who are able, then please, 238. You are the words and the music. You are the song that I sing. You are the melody. You are the harmony. Praise to your name I will bring. You are the Lord of hosts. You are the mighty God. You are the King of all kings. So now I give back to you the song that you gave to me. You are the song that I sing. You are the words and the music. You are the song that I sing. You are the melody. You are the harmony. Praise to your name I will bring. You are the Lord of hosts. You are the mighty God. You are the King of all kings. So now I give back to you the song that you gave to me. You are the song that I sing. Please be seated. Good morning, church. Today's sermon reading is from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and many times in various ways. But these days, he has spoken to us through his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Through him, we, he also made the universe God add blessing to his holy word. Hello? Yeah. Hello? <coughs> Hello? Yeah. Thank you. One, one to three. <clears throat> this is a technical man, isn't it? Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church at Thessalonians, and God the Father and the Lord Jesus. You okay? Right. Well, good morning again. <laughs> Everything is now <laughs> computerized these days. Well, uh, for those who are watching us on the YouTube, just to let you know why we have more empty spaces here. Um, some of our brethren are away to Bible camp. That is why we have uh, these empty spaces. Maybe you may think why uh, the seats lying 
are empty. So that is fun. Uh, well, a few weeks ago, we traveled to Lake District for a short holiday. That was a nice place, though. But before we went, something happened, which I am convinced that uh, that was God's intervention. Uh, prior to the holiday, we've been praying, been praying that God should give us a safe journey to the place and uh, ensure that we are safe and come back. We were to travel, I think, on the 11th of this month. That was Monday. And Sunday, when we came here to worship in the morning, the Sunday before we travel on Monday, uh, as soon as we stopped at the car park and I switched off the engine, uh, I smelled some burning fumes from the car. And Felicia also smelled it. And she said, do you smell something burning? I said, yeah, I can smell it too. So I just got up from the car and then opened the bonnet to see if I can see if something is burning. But then I didn't see anything. And that happened just about 15, 30 seconds. And we couldn't smell that burning again. So I just ignored it and just shut it. And then we came up here. So after the service, when we were going home, and I started the engine, then I saw on the information panel uh, detecting fault from the car. I said, what? I'm going on holiday tomorrow. Today is Sunday. And all the mechanic shops are closed. So where <laughs> am I taking my car to? Well, I didn't know what was wrong. So uh, I managed to send the car home. But I was still thinking. So... Am I going to cancel my holiday? Well, my hotel, they are not going to refund it back. It's non-refinable. So that means if I cancel it, I'm going to lose all these monies. So we're thinking um, what to do. Uh, that evening, we were to come to service. But because of the breakdown, uh, we have to call uh, Graham to pick us up. So. We were to leave home 10 o'clock on a Monday. And my mechanic shop opens half, half eight. So by eight o'clock, I was at a mechanic shop. <laughs> they were closed, but I was still waiting. But then thinking, how is this man going to? Because I have to book appointment. Okay, that mechanic shop is busy shop. So half eight, then my mechanic came and opened. Uh, uh, the shop, and then I told him that now I'm in, you know, die need of help here. This is an emergency because uh, by 10 o'clock, I have to hit on roof, but the car is broke down. I don't know what is wrong. He said, you calm down. I'll sort it out. So he just put the car to a diagnostic test and then found a fault. So he came and said to me, you are lucky. If we, were to try, uh, if we were to drive this car too far, it would have been stopped by the road and the car would not move. 
said, so what are we going to do? He said, don't worry. I'll try to fix something and let you go. But then if you go and nothing happens, that will be it. But if something happened, then we need to look into it again. So within 30 minutes, it finished. And it just me uh, uh, put uh, you know, something in the car, but he didn't charge me, just charged me for the, the, the diagnostic test. So that was okay if the car is you know, put back. And then we travel to Lake District, a very serene atmosphere. And that was my wife's birthday too, so you can see <laughs> that was nice. But the question that came to me is, is this God intervention or not? Remember, we have to travel over two hours. And this car was going to break down on road. I had already prayed to God that I want to save Jenny. And here is a case where I have, you know, some hours to hit on the journey. And I found this detection in the car that there's a fault. <coughs> I believe strongly that this is God's intervention. God was walking behind scenes and was telling you, Paul, you need to sort this out. Because that fumes, that fume that we smell, just 30 seconds and everything vanished. And lo and behold, uh, we managed to, you know, fix the car. So, I believe strongly that God interacts with humans behind scenes and is always an unseen helper in times of need. I believe that. Because if it's not God's intervention, then I don't know. Now, what I want us to discuss today is God's interaction with the sons of men or humans. Does God interact with man today as he did in the past? That's what I want us to think over it. Now, Africa is a continent which has millions of religious people. If you've been in Africa before, you will you understand what I'm saying. Today being the Sunday, almost every church building is full. You see so many people sitting outside the building and still listening. So, and as a result of this, there are many in Africa who also call themselves the prophet of God and claiming to have direct contact with God, deceiving many people. These false prophets, you know, take the advantage of the vast illiteracy on the continent, and they are deceiving many people who want to have relationship with God. So, what people are not mindful is that we are living in an era where people only feel God's presence through faith. Apostle Paul says something in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He made it clear. He said, we walk by faith and not by sight. Unlike those days where God revealed his presence to sons of men through direct voices, visions, dreams, angels, contacts, and signs and wonders. Now, Paul says, in our time, 
we only walk by faith and not by sight. We only feel God's presence by faith and not by sight. But because many people do not understand this phrase, they think that the way God interacted with Abraham and uh, with the apostles, the same goes today. So you find many people claiming to have contact with God, they perform miracles and do so many things. But they are all lying and they are all deceiving people. Because God does not interact with man as he did in the past, it has become extremely difficult for many people of our days to also believe his existence. It makes it difficult to answer the question they, you know, sometimes ask us, where is God? And uh, what shows God is there? If God is alive, why are so many people suffering? Okay? Everything came by chance, or everything came by chance. And, uh, well, I believe in evolution theory. And these many more, we hear it all the time. Because they don't see any sign of God. So they want to see, okay, have a solid thing to believe God's existence. Because God's silence has been there for so many ages, Satan has also taken advantage and recruiting false teachers and false prophets who claim to have direct you know, contact with God. There are a lot of people claiming this. I think in this part of our world, you don't see many of these false teachers and false prophets because uh, uh, you can see that the people who engage in Christ, uh, Christian religion are not many as compared to uh, you know, Africa, America, and the, those places. So these are the uh, places or areas that you find many of these false uh, uh, claimers. You can see that uh, in the Old Testament time, similar things happened. In the days of Jeremiah, where false prophets took advantage of God's silence and claimed they were sent by God. If we read Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 21, God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah, and he said that, I quote, I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. God has no relationship with these people, but they claim the visions, the voices, and everything they hear is from God. God said, I did not send them. And the same thing has happened in our days because God has been silent from humans. Okay? So, uh, those who do not understand the way God operates want to see something before they believe. And because of this, Jesus Christ also, uh, knowing this was going to happen, forewarned his followers. And I quote from Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you 
in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. The reason why there are many false prophets today is because sons of men have not realized that God does not physically deal with people as he did in the past, but only interact with us through faith. Many people have not come to realization that God interacts with us through faith and not by sight. Though we do not walk by sight, as Paul said, let me assure you that we are not disadvantaged for not seeing what they saw. It is important to know that those who believe in God and feel his presence through faith, like you and I, are more blessed than those who only believe because of what they physically saw through miracles, visions, voices, angels, etc. Probably you will not understand what I'm saying, but as I go through, you will come to agree with me. Jesus said to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. What does that mean? This means we are more blessed for believing in his resurrection than Thomas, who only believed because he beheld his resurrected body. Because Thomas said, I wouldn't accept it unless I see it for myself. Unless I touch the, foot, uh, the, the, the nail print in the sun. Unless I touch the side and see Jesus was standing before him, but still would not believe because he have not seen any dead person coming to life before. And Jesus, when he examined him and saw that, oh, this is really the Lord. And he said, oh, my Lord, now I believe. Jesus said, oh, no. Thomas, you have only believed because you have seen it for yourself. And then Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. And who are those? It's you and I. When Jesus came to the world, we were not there. We didn't see him. When he died and raised again, we were not there. We didn't see him. It's only Peter and the rest. You understand? So we are more blessed than those who only believe because they see or they, they saw it. That's what Jesus is trying to say. This also means we are more blessed for believing his resurrection than Peter, who did not believe the women, but had to rush to the tomb and see it for himself, okay, before he believed. Do you know that when Jesus resurrected, even the apostles did not believe? Probably you don't know. Apostles, including Peter, they did not believe. So when Jesus was telling them that I will die and on the third day I'll rise up again. And they, oh Lord, yeah, 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 yeah. What were they doing yeah, yeah for? Did they understand Jesus? No. Why? We read from Luke chapter 24, verse 10 to 12. And I quote, listen, it said, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as idle tale. They did not believe them. 
when Jesus resurrected on that early hours of Sunday, these ladies went to the tomb and they found the tomb empty, right? So they rushed back to tell the apostles, our Lord has risen. They said, no, you don't know what you are talking about. Okay, they did not believe. So what happened? Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloth by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Peter had to run to the tomb and see it for himself. He's just stooping everywhere and looking. He only saw the linen that was covering our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he believed the Lord has risen, he didn't believe the, the, the women who told uh, uh, them early, earlier on. The same way, we are more blessed for believing God's existence than Moses, who uh, believed because he heard God spoke at the burning bush. Right? Now, this happened thousands of years, and here we are. We did not see, we did not feel anything, but we believe that is why you are sitting here. And Jesus said, you are more blessed because you did not see, yet you believe that God exists. This thing you think it is, it's not easy. There are millions out there who says they have not seen anything, so God does not exist. So if you can come out from these millions, okay, and see that, yes, you believe God is there, and you have that faith in your heart, blessed are you. It's not easy. Those people out there who say they don't believe in God, they are like you. They want to see something. I speak to people at work, and hey, these comments are always here. Well, <laughs> I want to see before I believe there is God. Then the question comes, how does God interact with sons of man today? Do we have to see something before we know God is with us, or God is around us. All sons of men are made by God. We were created for his glory and therefore have relationship with him. God made us for his glory. So by all means, we have relationship with God. Okay, even if you buy a dog, you love the dog, you have relationship with that dog. God did not, you know, bias from uh, bias from somewhere he made us in his own image okay all people all over the world whether you are christian or not christian god made you so god has relationship with all men but as at how he goes about it that is where the problem is because many people do not even believe that they were created by god okay they believe in this kind of evolution theory God spoke through Isaiah. I will say to the north, give, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. And bring my sons from afar off and my daughters from the, earth, uh, from the end of the earth. Everyone who called by my name and whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So God created us for his glory and he formed us for his glory. So he has relationship with us. 
God throughout the generation have been interacting with sons of men in diverse ways. Okay? From the Garden of Eden, where the first man was made, up to date, as we sit here today, God has been interacting with humans, including us, and he still does. Okay. And this is how the Bible have to say what Sydney read for. I said, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets, but these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. God, long time ago, in many ways, has been interacting with people that he created. Okay? First, he spoke through the fathers. There were people called the fathers. And then also by the prophets. But he said, these last days, that is our time, he speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's consider the age of the fathers, how God dealt with those people. God dealt with them in different ways. He communicated directly through voices and by angels, dreams, etc. Okay, so you can see that if you read Genesis chapter 2 and 3, or 3, you can see that God spoke directly to Adam and his wife in the Garden of Eden, spoke to them. They heard his voice, okay? It's not only them, okay? Some of the fathers too, God spoke to them. Moses at the burning bush, God spoke to him. He heard God's voices. Sometimes through angels, God will visit man. Remember Abraham, okay? In Genesis chapter 12, 13 uh, uh, to 16, God revealed himself through angels to Abraham. Okay. So these are the ways God was dealing with these people, was interacting with them, but through their fathers, father like Adam, Noah, Abraham, Jacob. Okay. And this relationship continued until Jacob's time where there was a, tra a transition from, you know, the family to a nation. God was picking some families and interacting with them. And then they got to a point that God said, no more with the families. I'm going to form a nation for myself. Then I will deal with that nation. And the last father who uh, uh, had this transition made was Jacob. Remember, Jacob had 12 sons and a daughter. And God used his 12 sons to build a nation for himself. So from that time, it's now moved from individual families to a nation. And it's only one nation that God selected. That's the Israel nation. And now God is dealing with Israel. There were some other nations, but they didn't have any relationship with God. God was only interacting with Israel. Okay? So let's see the time of Israel too. And this is called the age of the prophets. And here, God dealt with Israel through the prophets, including Jesus Christ. Okay? 
the first prophet in Israel was Moses. And the last prophet was Jesus Christ. So these prophets, God interacted with Israel through them. He gave his message to them, and they delivered the message to Israel. Okay, so that is how God dealt with these people. Right. Now, if you read Psalm 147, verse 20, or verse 19 to 20, it says, no other nation was given this opportunity. Okay, there wasn't any nation that God was interacting with apart from Israel. So they had the opportunity to interact with God. And as I said, Jesus was the last prophet before this period also came to an end. Now, the Lord your God will rise up a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him you shall listen. And this is the words from Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Here Moses met the Hebrews, the Israelites, and he told them that God is going to raise a prophet from among yourself. And who is the prophet he's talking about? Now, if we come to the New Testament, the New Testament, if we read John chapter 1, verse 45, Philip confirmed this when he found Nathaniel, okay? And he said to him, and I quote, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also of the prophet wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So these prophets that we read from Israel, they were the middleman, the middleman between God and the Israelites. So God was not dealing directly with individuals. He was dealing with these prophets. So you can see that from, Genesis, uh, from uh, the garden, where God was dealing with only the fathers of these families, now he changes to be uh, dealing with a nation, Israel. And this continued until our Lord Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. So we have the last age, what is our age? Let's see how God communicates or deal with us, okay? The last age, which is also called a Christian age, is from the Moses time till the cross. Now, God's relationship with Israel came to an end on the cross. If you read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16, it will tell you that on the cross, that dealings came to an end. Okay? So from the cross to date, God has been dealing with all nations equally. It's not only Israel that God is dealing with. He's dealing with all nations. So Peter says in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 to 35, and I quote what Peter says, said, truly, I understand that God showed no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Unlike before, it's only Israel that God considered them. But now, every nation, including Israel, God is interacting with. In this age, God has moved from dealing with an individual families and a single nation, Israel, and now dealing with all men in all nations. In the beginning of this last transition, what happened? Jesus selected 12 men 
okay, and charge them to go into the whole world, go into the whole nations, okay. And then he said to them, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And whoever believes and is baptized, okay, uh, shall be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. So in this last day, the way God interacts and chat with us is through the gospel. You accept the gospel, you believe the gospel, and you are baptized. And then you become part of God's people. So that means if the gospel comes to you and you don't believe and you are not baptized, you are not part of God's selected people. Now God is dealing with us, but this is the way he does it. Jesus selected 12 men, go preach to the whole world, and those who will uh, believe my word, baptize them, and after the baptism, I will save them. That is why we always talked about baptism. And if you are here and you have not done that, uh, it is important you consider because it's very, very necessary to be baptized, to be added to God's people. Now, one may ask, in Israel, God used 12 men to establish the nation Israel for himself. Now, when we come to the New Testament, God again used 12 men to go into the world and bring the world to himself. Now, wh wh why number 12? Is number 12 important at all? Right. Now, to know whether it's important, ask yourself, why the apostles have to select another man to replace Judas when Judas died? Why did they not use only the 11 to do the job, but they have to bring another man to replace Judah so that the number will still be 12. Now, if you read the Bible, we call some prophetic numbers. Uh, there are some numbers who, if you read the prophetic books you will meet, they are symbolic numbers representing something. So number 12, according to prophetic number 12, it's a religion or religious people. That's what number 12 represents. So the number 12 for the 12 tribe of Israel is a religious people for Israel. Now number 12 for these 12 apostles who are going to all the whole world to bring, you know, the whole world to God is also showing a, a, a religion here. So it's important for that number. That is why when... Uh, Judas lost his place, they have to, uh, you know, put somebody in place to make sure that number went. So, if you go to the, uh, um, the, the book of Revelation, you find this number there, and where you're doing some mathematics there, and number 12 multiplied by 12, which is 144, times a 1,000, and a 1,000 uh, number 1,000 in the book of Revelation is a complete, means com is completeness, means complete, which means 12 of Israel times 12 of the apostles, making 144 times a complete number 1,000 gives you 144,000. Have you heard the Jehovah Witnesses come to your door to tell you that it's only 144,000 that will go to heaven? 
maybe if no heard it, you meet them, they will tell you. This is where they are confused. That number, 144,000, is not a literal number. It's a prophetic number and also a number that is a symbolic number, symbolize something. And it's all symbolized all God's people, all God's religious people. Okay? So that is what it means. Now, let's establish how God deals with us, us today. Okay? From the beginning, I said, I had a breakdown of my car and, you know, <coughs> something happened. And I believe that is God's intervention. I believe. God works behind scenes for us today. Remember when Jesus was going, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. The Holy Spirit will be your counselor. So God is still working with us. His spirit is within us. Okay? But his spirit doesn't put us on the ground and be rolling us. People you see on television, they say that I've got the Holy Spirit and start hitting themselves to the ground. That is evil spirit. It's not Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit does not do that. So, now that we know that all nations have been invited by God, okay, let's see how he deals with us. From the beginning, when Jesus selected these 12 apostles, he gave these apostles special assignment to carry his word or his message to all mankind. Okay. And to get access to these ungodly nations, these apostles, listen carefully, were backed by powers to perform signs and miracles to prove God's existence. Now, that time, it was only Israel that know God. The rest of the nations, they have no clue who God is. And now Jesus is, uh, wants the apostles to go into the whole world, send the gospel to the whole world, so that the whole world will also be saved. But because they have nothing to show to the people, as now people are asking, where is God? And what shows there is God? So Jesus gave them that power. If you go, you can perform these miracles for them to see that you are not alone. There is power with you. Okay? So the apostles, he said, and these signs will accompany those who will believe. And in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues, and they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Okay? They will lay their hands on sick, and these people will recover. And those who do not understand the scriptures are saying that this is for them today. They can do all this. Recently, somebody sent me a video on WhatsApp, and there is this Chinese man who said he's a pastor. And then he said, well, God has said in the Bible that uh, all these things will follow us. So he believed that he can go to uh, lions then like uh, uh, Daniel did, and lions will not harm him. So he went to zoo, okay, and just jumped into this uh, lion's cave and then started raising a hand and singing. And the people were, you know, capturing the video. And these hungry lions were coming. I tell you, had we not been the intervention of the zookeepers, 
this man would have been torn to pieces. Are you fooling yourself or are you trying to fool God? People do not understand this. They say, we can also perform miracles. We can do that. We can do that. But all these diseases they claim to have, you know, they, they heal, are the diseases you cannot see. I had stomach ache, and when he prayed for me, it's gone. I want to see somebody crippled, and then he raised that person, or somebody dead. This is what they cannot do. So they are all lying. I mean, when I say this, it's become difficult for you because you don't have this in, you know, going around you. But where I come from is commonly practiced there. Okay? So God still deal with us, but not as people are thinking. Okay? Not as people are thinking. The apostles' transition period was not to show off God's power. It's not the apostles that when they go here and they start to perform miracles or... Uh, uh, they go and announce, we are coming to Kambanos, so everybody come, bring God. No, that's not what the apostles were doing. They come to your house, preaching the gospel to you, and if somebody is in your heart ill, then they'll say, oh, bring him. They lay their hands on that person, and that person become healed. And then you sitting there, wow, what is this? They will start to preach the gospel to you. So it's not that their aim was to go from door to door mentioning we are going to do miracles as you see uh, them going on these days. So God talked to us, interact with us, but not through voices, not through miracles, not through angels, not through dreams. But what is it? God says the Holy Spirit will be our counselor. The Holy Spirit is with us. And you know what? God always intervenes in our lives, but we don't know. If you are not well, and then you go to hospital, you go to this uh, fine doctor, he just examine you, and then treat you, give you medication, and you're well. You think it's the doings of the doctor, isn't it? If God has not given that wisdom to them to learn, how would they know? And because God is not doing things like he did before, he's giving people knowledge to study this so that they can help us when we are in need. So that is the way God intervened today. You understand? So God still works behind the scenes, and it is for our own good. Now, now God speaks and interacts with all men through his son Jesus Christ, as we read from Hebrews, in what way Peter says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. No prophecy has ever been produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So anything that is written here, the scripture says, Men wrote it through the inspiration of God. For what? For you and I. Today, God is not going to speak to you through dreams. If you want to hear God's voice, you need to go here. Because that is what Jesus made the apostles write down. 
at the beginning with the transition, he gave them these powers, okay? Because they did not have this book to come and read to you and tell you what God has done. The Bible was not there. So they have to get some powers to back them until this Bible was complete. And now we have the Bible, so there's no need for those powers. Because if I come to you, I can tell you what Jesus said and what Jesus wants you to do. So today, God still interacts with us. He speaks to us through this. And then he is an unseen helper around you. And in times of need, he comes to your aid. My dear brothers and sisters, if you are looking for signs and wonders today, you will not get any. All you see in the televisions in those places, they are all fake. Either it's magical power they use or tricks to trick people. The fact that they mention God's name does not uh, mean they are, uh, it's God who is, you know, injuring them. Because in those days, false prophets did the same thing. But God said, I have not sent them. So this is the way God speaks to us through his word. So it's better we trust the Bible and we read the Bible. And also not listen only to what the Bible says, but let us do it. If Bible tells you for your salvation, you need to be baptized, let's not ignore it. It's important. It's like Jesus standing in front of you, like Jesus telling Nicodemus that if you are not born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And now it's not standing in front of you, but this is standing in front of you. That if you are not baptized, you will not see the kingdom of God. So this is the way God interacts with us today. And I know if we become very attentive to the word of God, this is all we all need to prepare us for heaven. God bless you all for listening to this. Amen. And before Ronnie leads us again in our uh, offering, let's sing song number 103, please. 103. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his course with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. 
It's great to know that we've been blessed and if you look back at the last time we were here or since the last time we were here uh, just think about how God's blessed us with the clothes that we wear, with the food that we eat uh, the fact that we've got people who love us, people who care for us all these are blessings from God all good things come from God so let's just remember that and let's give back just a small portion of what's been given to us. Pray with me, please. Our God and our Father, we thank you so much for the many blessings you bestow upon us, for all the things that you've blessed us with. But we know that everything good comes from you. Help us to realize this, Father, and to give generously. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, let's all stand up and sing song number 642, please. And after this, we will have our closing prayer. Six Porter. Thank 
some sermon that and the good thing is that we have got a miracle a miracle in the National Health Service that's what we've got and the people and the people the doctors and nurses that work there they do a fantastic job Lord Father we thank you for what, what we received today what we need to do, Lord Father, is keep turning to you for every possible avenue in our lives. We do need to read the Bible more often than not. Constantly reading it, constantly learning from your word. It's, it's only then, it's only then that we that we learn what you want us to do. And when we interact with people, when all of us interact with people, there is to be a love. But do not off our own back and be a strain. If we allow, if we allow God's love to work through us, Jesus' love to work through us, the Holy Spirit to work through us, it comes easy. It, it will become easier when we talk to people, when we try to push the good word out there. Because it's only God that saves. And when we die in sin, then we can die again, a terrible death. Lord Father, please allow every each 
and every one of us to learn, to study, and to think of our actions and to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. Lord Father, we ask you that in the glorious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Come on, announcements. <laughs> I don't know that there's many announcements except to remember uh, all the congregation that are away at Ochengillen. We took some of the, the stuff up the other day and it was chaotic.